Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. Well, except for today. Today we are dedicating an entire episode of That Wrestling Show to one of the most influential wrestling promotions of the last 20 years, and that is Ring of Honor. This past Wednesday was their 20th anniversary of the first show, which we'll get to in a little bit. But before we dive into the the unique history of Ring of Honor, we have some guests that are going to help us get through the history of Ring of Honor in our own unique way. Um, our first guest, uh, he was recently on uh, a few weeks ago talking about AEW Rampage and was on the 500th episode of that wrestling show this past July. Let's welcome him back, Brian. Hey, everybody. I'm back and better than ever. Yes, you are. (laughs) And and along with me is my pet dog, Maisie. Oh, Maisie. Oh, hey, girl. I'm sure she'll have some comments as well. (laughs) Yeah. Although she's a little too young for Ring of Honor. Right. <laughs> um, also joining us, making his official debut on that wrestling show, but no stranger to myself. You've heard him a few times on Eliminated, a Royal Rumble podcast, and Wrestling with COVID. He is a writer for F4W Online, covering NWA wrestling, mainly NWA power. Let's welcome Josiah. Hey, good to be with you guys. And you know, say 500 episodes. I'm pretty sure we've had about 500 episodes of wrestling with COVID. So. It feels like it. It really does. <laughs> Jeez. That, I mean, I, it, it's kind of funny because when I first came on, it was just for the Royal Rumble stuff. I think I've done three Royal Rumble podcasts with you guys. Mm-hmm. And probably like 20 wrestling with COVID episodes. Yeah, it's been a lot. And uh, hopefully, um, with the news that at, we're recording this on a Thursday, uh, the CDC announced that they're going to be talking on Friday, probably lowering the restrictions. So we'll just go at that for the time being. Yes, yes. And uh, well, as always, because I, this thing isn't going away, at least for a while. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on it and keep you guys updated as more happens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we get into the history of Ring of Honor, you guys kind of answered the question, my, my question without even me asking uh, off air, which was, when did you get into Ring of Honor? So, Josiah, you said you got into it in about 2003, which was in its early years. Yes. Um, go ahead. You were oh, saying? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I should I should rephrase that a little bit because um, I was aware of Ring of Honor as early as 2002. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not see anything of theirs probably until 2004 or 2005, somewhere around there. But uh, it, I was very much so into it right away. And uh, as soon as I had the finances to do so, I started buying their DVDs. 
and uh, I bought the entire first two years of shows for Ring of Honor over a few months, and uh, I I still have those DVDs somewhere. There, <laughs> I, have, I, uh, I I recently moved to Ontario, so I, I haven't um, unpacked all my stuff yet, but. Uh, I do have the DVDs uh, for the first two years, and uh, that was basically my introduction to Ring of Honor. And uh, as the DVDs released, I tried to keep up with it, but life got in the way. But uh, I still have found ways to keep up with major shows, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when they moved to pay-per-view and internet pay-per-view. It was much easier for me to watch, so uh, I would just buy it on streaming. But I have been a Ring of Honor fan Probably since very close to the beginning. All right. And uh, Brian, you had said you're you're a little bit more recent of the three of us. You had said well about 2015 is when you started watching. Yeah. Well, I actually uh, it was I was watching when during the time before uh, the the uh, formation of the group known as Scum. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Steve Carino's group. I, yeah, Steve Carino. I was watching when that happened i know Maisie. i don't like them i didn't like them either <laughs> she's growling <laughs> all right um oh actually let me get this tab down real quick i don't know why that and i there. i used to i did used to watch them when it was on uh, the cw on uh, cw 24 oh yeah in baltimore uh, so that was through the Although, sinclair f- uh, affiliate right mm-hmm. yeah okay are uh, they is Ring of Honor still affiliated with them? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, Sinclair, I they, I Sinclair, Sinclair owns. Getting rid of them. No, they're keeping them. Nope. Sinclair owns Ring of Honor, and uh, they're definitely keeping them for sure. Um, I think the first time, and I actually had to think about this. The first time I had heard of them was in 2003 and I think if I remember this right I was leaving uh, the then Verizon Center in Washington DC from a Monday Night Raw and there were people that were giving out these flyers and here's a like a small like card flyer and it was for Ring of Honor and it was for a show that happened in Glen Burnie Maryland I didn't go to that show because I didn't know what... I, I just thought it was just random stuff. But they used to have uh, an old hotline number. Do not remember that number for the life of me. Uh, and I actually called it one morning before I went to before I went to school. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, I didn't start watching till 2004, which was my senior year in high school. And it, like, I caught on, like, right away, as soon as I watched, like, the first show, which we'll talk about uh, in a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I've pretty much been kind of on the same boat as Josiah. Like, I've I've watched it, followed it kind of since the beginning or close towards the early years of Ring of Honor. So, um... To begin this story of Ring of Honor, we have to go back to 2001. Mm. In the year 2000. <laughs> Thank you, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> oh, no, it's Andy, well, it's Andy Richter, actually, that did that. Okay. But anyway, it, okay. it was on Conan. 
Um, okay, so 2001 is a very unique time in wrestling. ECW is gone. WCW mm-hmm. has been bought by WWF. WWF and the business tanked. Yep. <laughs> WWF, the only game in town. So, this leads us to one of the early characters in the story of Ring of Honor, Rob Feinstein. Oh, yeah. For those who don't know who Rob Feinstein is, welcome to the 21st century. No, in all seriousness, uh, Rob Feinstein ran and still runs uh, RF Video. RF Video, right, which distributed it, distributed mainly ECW on videotape, and they did some DVD, and then, well, mainly they were they were the people. For ECW. When ECW went out of business, they were kind of in trouble because mm-hmm. ECW was their moneymaker. They had nothing. I mean, they had other promotions, but ECW was their bread and butter. So, at this time, um, another individual who's going to be a big part of the history of Ring of Honor. Gabe Sapolsky. Probably the biggest. Yeah, probably (laughs) the biggest. Um, He was working with ECW, and then once ECW closed, he joined RF Video. Now, there's a legend to what became Ring of Honor. So we could go... we'll, We'll go both ways. The first way is RF Video tried to do a working deal with CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling, which at the time was running in the ECW, or was starting to run in the ECW arena. That that deal did not go through. The other story, and this is the one I kind of believe more, on the weekend of October 26th and 27th, 2001 in Vallejo, California. All Pro Wrestling, which... King of the Indies. King of the Indies, yep. Which you may have heard from a little documentary called Beyond the Map. They ran the King of the Indies tournament. The field for this tournament is one of the most legendary fields I think you you can ever find. This is like the who's who back then of independent wrestlers. American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Loki. Good name. Christopher Daniels. AJ Styles. Samoa Joe. Kazarian. Doug Williams. Spanky. Adam Pierce. Super Dragon. Scoot Andrews. Donovan Morgan. Just to name just to name a few of the wrestlers that were in this tournament. And and then we should we should also mention the people who were in the crowd. Mm. Uh, Dave Meltzer, Reb Bastine, Nick Bockwinkel. Mm-hmm. They're like the legends of the legends of wrestling were at the show. Yeah. And uh, and then of course Meltzer being the journalist. So it was because of they had Red Bastion there. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was there. Red wow. was front row. He was sitting with Dave Meltzer. Uh, him and Nick Bockwinkel, all three of them were sing- sitting together because they've been friends for years at that point. 
and they wow. were watching. And Gabe Sapolsky was there too, by the way. Oh, actually, no, Gabe wasn't. No, but Gabe Gabe heard about it. Um, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were watching, and Nick Bockwinkle and Red Bastine looked at Brian Danielson, and they said, "This is a guy who would work, work in any era, and I'd be honored to wrestle him." Oh yeah, I can picture. Uh, Nick Brockwinkle's so, prime versus uh, Brian Daniels. Oh my god, that, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, and yes, and oh, uh, yes. Bockwinkle was like, "This guy's the future." Like, and they were watching the other guys too, and all of them were great. And every one of them were, they were like, "This is the future of wrestling, right here." What we're seeing, mm-hmm. and what it really was was bringing the Japanese junior style to America yeah. for the first time, and. Uh, it's just interesting, too, because a firsthand account, this is actually the first time in person, I believe, that Brian Alvarez met Dave Meltzer, uh, which is, again, because I write for their site, so I have a little bit of... You have some knowledge. But both, both yeah. of them talked about this show, um, and they talked about it being just the most unbelievable show of young talent. Uh, and it was it was then that they realized... WCW being gone is not good, but there's enough talent here to run a promotion. Mm-hmm. Right. And you now you can continue from there, Bill. Okay. So, because of that show, Rob and Gabe and Doug Jantry can't can't forget him. He's a part of this as well. One hundred percent. They decide. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start a wrestling promotion, and we're gonna we're gonna do the shows, and we're gonna sell them on videotape, and then I think a little later, not too much later, they would do DVDs as well. Yeah, they they shifted to DVD pretty fast. Yeah. So, on February twenty third, two thousand two, the era of honor begins. The very first Ring of Honor show. It is held not at the ECW Arena, but at the Murphy Rec Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jim. Close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. You got it. Um, I have seen this show from beginning to end way too many times than I am willing to admit. Same. But this is such a fantastic show. So I'm going to quickly go down the results from the first show. The Hit Squad defeated the Christopher Street Connection, which eventually won me over. That that was a fun gimmick. Oh, my gosh. Um, the amazing... Oh, go ahead. Although the... Uh, the... The promos about them for the teams that opposed them was uh, not appropriate in 2021. Let's oh, just put it that way. God, which is no. why it's not on Honor Club. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it was, no, It was quite offensive. <laughs> That's why you got to keep those DVDs, folks. Um, the Amazing Red defeats Jay Briscoe. Jay Briscoe is 18 years old at this show. And they actually do a... I got to give them credit. A good storyline with Jay and Mark Briscoe, because Mark is one year younger. And Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, you have to be 18 to wrestle. So Mark, for basically all but like two shows that first year, could not compete for Ring of Honor because he was 17. 
<laughs> Xavier defeated Scoot Andrews. The Boogie Knights defeated the Natural Born Sinners by disqualification. One of that's a good name for a tag team. One of what? One of the members was Homicide. Then we had an ultimate aerial elimination match with guest referee Mikey Whipwreck, which had Quiet Storm defeating Brian XL, Chris Devine, Joel and Jose Maximo, and Amazing Red. So Amazing Red pulling double duty. Prince Nana defeated Eric Tuttle, the towel boy. Ikeka, Loa, and Spanky defeated Michael, Shane, and Oz. And then we get to the final two matches. And this is where Ring of Honor kind of makes this bold move of we're not going to be like the other independent promotions. Mm-hmm. Your semi-main event for the IWA Puerto Rican Intercontinental title Super Crazy defeats Eddie Guerrero. Now, why, why do I say it's important? Because those are two former ECW guys. And back then, if you had ECW guys on your show, they were going to be the main event. And Ed, Eddie, Eddie's just off working in the WWF. Mm-hmm. He was he was working WrestleMania a few months before, uh, like, well, not a few, yeah, uh, about... Well, a year before that. Yeah, a year before but, that. But, I mean, he he's right off working in the WWF, and he was fired for uh, issues that he was very honest about, drug issues. Mm-hmm. And this was his return after uh, – I mean, he already returned a while ago, but uh, this was his tour before going back to the WWF mm-hmm. and uh, cleaning himself up. And he looks really good in this match. Amazing. And then the post-match promo is one of his better promos. If you, basically, he's like, not spoiling much. It's like, you know, I see these young guys; they're real hungry, and it makes me hungry. And that means I got to get better. And it's just such a good promo. Please, if you've never seen it, please look it up. It's fantastic. And then the main event. A three-way dance, Loki defeats American Dragon and Christopher Daniels in an amazing match that, for me, still holds up to this day. Easily, easily four and a half stars or higher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a way, we're off to the races with Ring of Honor. We're not going to go through everything, but... And I, I wanted to make this comparison, and I think, Brian, you might get this comparison because of some of the music we listen to. There, there was a clip many, many years ago by a musician who, when they talked about Black Sabbath, he said if it wasn't for the first five Black Sabbath albums, a lot of the heavy metal bands wouldn't exist today. If it wasn't for the first five Ring of Honor shows that happened, a bunch of these wrestlers might not be competing in, or might not be pro wrestlers today. That's how influential those five shows are. Because they set it up, they're each unique, they're each different, um, 
And the five culminate with the crowning of the first Ring of Honor champion, which was Loki, in a four-way, 60-minute Iron Man match. Wow. Yeah. It is, and that is really well done, too. Yes, and uh, the other competitors in that match, I believe it was Brian Danielson, mm-hmm. uh, Paul London, and was it uh, Christopher Daniels? Yeah, Daniels was in it, yeah. Okay. Maybe it wasn't in London, but and I know Daniels, Daniels was the heel. Yes. He was a, a leader of a group already, which formed basically on the first night, mm-hmm. although we didn't really, really see where it was going. Yeah. Uh, he was the leader of The Prophecy. Uh, where the prophecy was they were going to take over all of professional wrestling, starting with Ring of Honor's championship. Yeah, and... And they they refused to keep the Code of Honor. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up the Code of Honor, because there may be some people that don't remember it, or might even be wondering, what is the Code of Honor? Well, to be brief, it was these five rules that you agreed to they were like kind of like not yeah i guess we could say laws you must shake hands before and after every match no outside interference no sneak attacks no harming the officials and any action resulting in a disqualification violates the code of honor so the first couple of years are pretty good years for ring of honor um they get Wrestlers to come in, famous wrestlers, uh, we said Eddie Guerrero, we said Super Crazy, uh, Ken Shamrock came on for a show, Tommy Dreamer came for a show, Abdullah the Butcher came for a show, Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette, uh, Ota- Shinjiro Otani, Masato Tanaka, it's basically like the who's who of wrestling like legends and icons of the business like and international stars yeah and all yeah, that kind and of stuff like they what ring, aren't the independent people that weren't signed with wwe at the time and things were going good for ring of honor you know the, them and this other young promotion called nwa tna you know they were going well they had a partnership yeah they did which is actually how I first heard of Ring of Honor. It was in 2003 on a TNA pay-per-view I was watching, and they talked about their partnership of trading talent with Ring of Honor. Well, I actually remember watching NWA TNA uh, when it was on. They had a, I don't know if the show's still on, but probably isn't, uh, called The Best Damn Sports Show. Oh, yes. That was on Spike. Yes, that would be the the mid-2000s. Yeah, I saw NWTNA, and I think I saw AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Uh, And Abyss. I don't don't think Abyss was part of Ring of Honor at the time. He was... Um, I I think this was before this had a great short Ring of Honor. AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels were part of Ring of Honor until much later. Right. Uh, well, I think I think Bill's going to get to that. There was a point in the early 2000s where they had to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and when they were doing TNA on the Best Damn Sports Show, 
uh, which I think was that FSN or was that Spike TV? Uh, I think it was FSN here. Okay, yeah, yes, you're right. It was FSN. Uh, so that's when they had their first TNA Impact deal uh, for the television show, and it was that that partnership that kind of led the to the Impact television show coming into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think they were doing. Uh, or it may have just uh, just started, and it was just a strategic partnership at that point yeah. um, to try to get more eyes on Impact um, because uh, it was in 2005 that TNA Impact started, and they moved away from uh, week, or maybe even 2004, but they moved away from weekly pay-per-views anyways. Yeah. Uh, I remember one. The last weekly pay per view featured Jeff Hardy having a horrible match. <laughs> I remember oh. that because I bought it. So, <laughs> oh, oh, I feel so. I'm sorry for you, Josiah. Yeah, yeah uh, Jeff had much better matches later when he had most of his issues figured out. So, uh, at that point, he did not, and he also got booed out of the building in Ring of Honor around that time too. Yeah. But that's another story. Um, so, poor guy. Now, oh, now, yeah. thankfully, he would not be uh, yep. because. He's he's in much better shape, but he is. Um, but yeah, the so where you're talking about with TNA, there uh, AJ and Daniels would have actually been gone briefly from Ring of Honor, but they would have had in 2005 they would have started working with him again at some point. So yeah, and this is actually a good point because I did want to bring up the beginning of 2004 was not so good for Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it wasn't so good for Rob Feinstein. Because <laughs> early in 2004, Rob Feinstein was caught in an internet-based sting operation, which was shown on local news in the Philadelphia area. And this is in which he allegedly tried to solicit sex on the internet from a person that he thought to be an underage boy, but actually posed as an adult, or was an adult posing as a minor. After that publicized, after that story was publicized, Feinstein resigned from Ring of Honor in March 2004. After that incident, that is where TNA said, okay, we're not going to let any of our guys go. We're not going to let our big stars go work there. But there is another person who (laughs) comes in to Ring of Honor and becomes a big fixture as well with Ring of Honor. I would say other than Gabe, he is probably the biggest fixture in Ring of Honor to this day. To this day. And this man's name is Carrie Silken. Carrie Silken is was a lifelong wrestling fan he had a business with tickets uh he did a podcast i i don't know if he still does them or not uh last was he stop, Riccoboni, right yeah last stop penn station and he talked about his life it, it's very interesting if you guys have never heard it so he buys the remaining stakes from doug gentry and it is now Carrie and Gabe that carries the carries the owner, Gabe's the booker, mm-hmm. and they have this what seems like an impossible hill to climb to get back. And during this period, you could you could 
put a bunch of wrestlers on this list. But the two that really come to mind are Samoa Joe and mm-hmm. CM Punk. Yes, and Punk's Punk started with Ring of Honor in 2002, I think on their second show, maybe third. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, anyways, in their first year. Yeah. And uh, he was working for TNA, too, uh, from 2003 to early 2004. Um and during that time, TNA, when working with them, traded Raven to uh, back and forth. So Raven yeah. was working Ring of Honor as well. And Punk had this feud with Raven where Raven was, in his mind, a substitute for his alcoholic father. That's the storyline they were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Punk was the heel and Raven was the baby face. And uh, Raven did everything he could to put CM Punk over. Uh, like... Punk got over huge with the audience as a heel. Yeah. And, uh, but then because Punk was getting over so huge, he started to get into conflict with Christopher Daniels' prophecy. And uh, so two heel, the two top heel groups did not like each other. And this, and the, here's the thing with Punk Punk was a heel, but he kept the code of honor. Right. Yeah, be, because I'm better than you. That's what those were his things. But he always kept the code of honor, which kind of led to him being endeared, uh, despite being a heel. And when uh, the Rob Feinstein incident happened, uh, TNA pulled all their talent, and Punk said, I'm sticking with Ring of Honor. I'm not going to TNA. Which ended up being maybe the best decision for him. Yeah, exactly. Yes, because, I mean, Ring of Honor is what made him who he is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we see on AEW, we're seeing the Ring of Honor Punk with all the experience he gained in the in the land that did not do well for him in WWE, but he did gain lots of valuable experience there. Yeah. And uh, but Ring of Honor prepared him for that, and now we're seeing the natural outworking of that in AEW. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, and then Punk kind of became this hero who stood by Ring of Honor and was slowly being transformed into a babyface. And uh, then we talk about the first show that they did with CM Punk and Samoa Joe. I think Joe was already champion at this point. Yeah, he has been champion for over a year. And he beat Xavier. Yeah. And I actually remember this happening for a completely other reason. The day that Joe and Punk met for the world title the first time. World title classic. Was the same day as my brother's wedding. So wow. those, that's funny. So those two are intertwined forever for me. And that is the first Ring of Honor show I have ever seen. Um, world title classic. I, 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 I can't. Actually, wait. It was Generation Next. No, no, you were right. It was world title classic. Okay, I, I, no, I'm trying to think of which show I watched first. Right. Uh, was it uh, World Title Classic, and then did I go backwards? Right. Uh, to Generation Next or uh, Ring of Honor Reborn? Right. I can't remember. Now, Ring of Honor Reborn was when they relaunched after Feinstein. Now, um, I, I I can confirm that my brother's uh, wedding ceremony did not go the 60 minutes, but <laughs> Punk and Joe did on that day. Yes, they did. So, five star classic. Mm-hmm. So they would have two more battles in 2004 
one in October, which went to 60 Minutes again. And then they had a third one where it was no time limit, had to be a winner. And at the end, Joe won the match. About 45 minutes long and Punk bled like crazy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time in 04, there's new talent being developed. And yes. There is a group of guys that get together and they call themselves Generation Next. Austin Aries, Jack Evans, Roderick Strong, and Alex Shelley. Mm-hmm. With Alex Shelley as their leader. Yep. And each of them, they, I think, I think it's safe to say in 04, they each had their own like big moment mm-hmm. or big matches. Um, with Shelley, you could probably say his feud with Jimmy Jacobs. With Jack yes. Evans, you could say maybe the, any, the scramble cage. Yeah, scramble cage. With Roderick Strong, it could have been any tag team match. But Austin Aries was the one that broke out of the group. Mm-hmm. He and he and he ended up turning on Alex Shelley, mm-hmm. like for the end of the year, and they kicked Shelley out. And so Generation Next became Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, and Jack Evans. And Evans and Strong uh, were a tag team who did win the Ring of Honor tag titles eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Austin Aries, at Final Battle 2004, had a career-defining moment. Mm-hmm. Because he beat Samoa Joe, ending the almost two-year reign of Joe as Ring of Honor World Champion. I will never forget the finish to that match. He punted Joe in the face mm-hmm. with a right kick. He picked up Joe and hit a vertical brain buster on him and then hit a 450 splash to pin him. I'll never forget it. And the crowd went was so loud when he won the title. It was absolutely bonkers so amazing now we're going to get to another big moment in the history of ring of honor i think i know which is next (laughs) and this this may be depending on how where you know where you feel however you are is the biggest feud ever in ring of honor ring of honor versus czw Mm mm-hmm this is such an amazing thing. It starts it, in January. It started as a shoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I shouldn't say that. It started as Chris Hero and Brian Danielson going into business for themselves. Mm-hmm. But. So they have a match, and it, it probably was just going to be a one and done. But they took it, and they ran with it, they went everywhere. And it was like you had the CZW fans and you had the Ring of Honor fans. There was no in the middle. You were one or the other. And so so how this started was with Chris Hero. Call, uh, and this was an idea from the booker of uh, CZW. Mm-hmm. 
and Gabe Saploski. They came up with this together. The owner of CZW, uh, John Zandig, was not in favor of this. Oh, no. He hated but, the idea. But the booker just said, we're doing it anyway. And uh, that resulted in him getting fired. But because it started, Zandig actually went through with it and followed through, which ended up being to their benefit because it got way more eyes on their product. Actually, but, real quick, not, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, on Wikipedia, it has a very interesting detail. Oh, so, uh, please go for it. So yeah. Zandig uh, approached um, Mike Burns. And then he also was approached by Mike Pancoast. And after a very vocal argument, Pancoast was pushed down a flight of stairs by Zandig. And then one worker quoted Zandig as saying to Pancoast, quote, make sure to grab the rail on your way down. Oh my God, that is... What a we, we, we should put this in context. John Zandig is a horrible human being. Yes, he is. <laughs> okay, I never, I never met him. I knew not, I know nothing oh. of him. But uh, oh, thank God, thank God, you don't I, know him. I'll take every guy's word for it. <laughs> All right, so go, go ahead, uh, Josiah. Didn't mean to cut you off. Yes, and so Chris Hero cuts this promo on Ring of Honor suddenly saying that he's the real best wrestler in the world. And it isn't CM Punk, it isn't Samoa Joe, and it isn't Brian Danielson. It's me. And if they wanted to... uh, He basically threw down an open challenge to Danielson, specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ring of Honor responded. And then the feud was on. Yeah. And it took like eight months to go through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, I believe at this point too, CM Punk has gone, won the title, mm-hmm. turned heel, came out to cult of personality for the first time. Mm-hmm. As he was the heel who lies, he manipulates you to get what he wants. That's the purpose of cult of personality, the song. And uh, he signed his WWE contract on the Ring of Honor belt. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Before, before that is very, losing that is a true heel. Yes. Um, before losing the title to James Gibson, a.k.a. Jamie Noble, who then went on to beat, uh, lose the title to Brian Danielson. And uh, I believe during the CZW and Ring of Honor feud, uh, Danielson was champion. Yeah. Uh, and... This resulted in a CZW invasion on a Ring of Honor show where Chris Hero and a bunch of guys showed up and the crowd was going insane with heat. Mm-hmm. They hated the CZW guys because this is not our pure wrestling. Right. Uh, this is not honorable wrestling, which is what the fans wanted. And uh, the feud was on and it did great business for both companies. It did. Uh, because the crowd was very vocal on one side or the other. Yep. And and they would intermix. Uh, like, the CZW guys loved, loved CZW. Or CZW, sorry, my Canadian's coming up. <laughs> That's all right. The, and, and the Ring of Honor fans loved Ring of Honor. And uh, it, it created a unique situation where 
one uh, each company had their the baby faces and heels, but they were united against each other and but it was done really well. It wasn't done in the bad Survivor Series brand supremacy way. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it was done it was so brilliantly booked. And at this point, Homicide has been trying to get a Ring of Honor title shot. And he was in feuding with the Ring of Honor general manager, Jim Cornette. Right. And right. and Cornette and him, they were not getting along. And, you know, and uh, Homicide was kind of the guy who was like uh, the guy they needed for the final fight, which was in a cage of death match, a CZW's uh, key match. Yeah. And uh, and they were trying to court him into the match, and he didn't. And uh, if I remember correctly, during the match, Brian Danielson abandoned Ring of Honor in the match. Right, because he had a big match coming up soon with Samoa Joe. And and he didn't feel like he could put himself in a death match. Right. To put that at risk, and so he abandoned Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor was down a man. And, and the Cage of Death works a little bit like War Games, except with it's a death match. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of weapons. Yes, tons of weapons. And uh, they they even used the uh, CZW cages. Like they had the yellow wire with the black mm-hmm. and all that on it. It, it was it, it was really remarkable to see how this partnership came about. Yeah. And CZW, they brought a Necro Butcher, I believe, and stuff like that. Who, or got, Ring of Honor. who got so over with the Ring of Honor fans. It was that they amazing. Hired him. Yes. And uh, even Jim Cornette said he liked Necro Butcher. Which is unusual. Like, he's a very odd man, It's even to this day. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that he's alive. He's and he's like, only, like, six years yeah. older than me, but he looks like he's 73. So I've heard that he's, like, one of the nicest people you'd meet. That's the common I, consensus, but he's a very strange man. Right. But I, saw, uh, I did see him in the movie The Wrestler, where he fought Nicky Rourke in a death match, and that was a brutal thing to watch. Right. Uh, and so, uh, re- regardless, anyways, they they had all these guys, and there was the the hardcore guys versus the the wrestlers of Ring of Honor, and they needed someone who could fight not someone who could just wrestle. They needed someone who could go to war with them. And at this point, it's getting down. Ring of Honor's getting beat. They're, they're bloodied. They're, they've been annihilated by uh, CZW at the, because they're down one man. And then Homicide's music hits. And he runs down to the ring and he fights because they needed a guy who could fight, like we said. Uh, and... Homicide. I think he hits the uh, the cop killer. I forget who it hit it on. I but... think it was Nate Webb. Yeah, you might be right on Spider-Nate that. Spider Nate Webb. Was Nick Gage in that match too? No, he wasn't. Okay, but he okay. should have been. Uh, actually, he. Oh, that might have been his first prison run. Oh yeah, maybe. Um, but at that point, but yeah, I would expect he would have been. It's, it's, if it. If he wasn't in prison, uh, I expect he would have been in it. Mm-hmm. But re- regardless, um, uh, thank God Nick Gage has found a, a, a what a guy, yeah. reformed himself, uh, and, and and a well liked man, a very well liked man. Mm-hmm. So uh, to look that he paid his debt to society, he did. 
and uh, I'm very happy for him that he has the one and only GCW contract. Even though I'm not a deathmatch fan, I, I don't like hardcore wrestling, but I'm very happy for him. Right. And I, bear in mind, I don't like. I would occasionally watch uh, CZW. Uh, even I, even the Cage of Death shows, I would watch them. And uh, it wasn't really for me, but I recognized that there was quality in that kind of wrestling if you did it right. And this final match with the Cage of Death with Ring of Honor was great. It was booked perfectly. And then Homicide comes in, hits the cop killer, and wins the match for Ring of Honor. And that ends such an amazing feud. And I remember watching an Eddie Kingston shoot video many years ago to kind of sum this up. And he summed up the, the feud this way. Zandig's idea of the feud was from January to April with CZW winning. When the real feud went from January to, I want to say it was July when Ring of Honor won it. So, after that, uh, the next step is in 2007 where Ring of Honor goes on pay-per-view by tape. It's still pay-per-view, but it's by tape. A pre-tape pay-per-view, but yes, yep, pay-per-view nonetheless. Yep. It was a and, good show, too. Yeah, it was. So, things are starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But towards the end of 2008, something happens that I don't think anybody back then would have ever thought would have happened and probably still wouldn't think would happen in 2022. Gabe Sapolsky leaves Ring of Honor. And it, it should be noted at this point, his booking was starting to see some strains. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been booking now for seven years. Yeah. Or six or seven years straight. And booking some of the best long-term storytelling in wrestling. And uh, and cultivating talent. And uh, But he had... Uh, he was burning himself out from, from it. Mm -hmm. But he also had his own issues where he was a very controlling booker. Yeah. And so there was conflict with some of the top talent emerging as well. And so he left and formed Evolve. So after he left in the beginning of 2009, things start to look good again for Ring of Honor because they get a TV deal with HDNet. And I, be I believe Jim Cornette was booking at this point. Yeah. And HDNet is now Access TV for those that are curious. So things are going and then we get to the next decade. We get to the 2010s and 2011 becomes very interesting because on May 21st, 2011, the ring of that ring of honor announces that the Sinclair broadcast group has purchased Ring of Honor with Kerry Silken remaining with the company in an executive role. I remember this because I and I and I've said this many times in previous episodes. I was at 
the press conference for Ring of Honor and Sinclair. I was at that press conference. Jim, Jim Boy Star was able to get me a pa- a media credential pass to be at the press conference. And I remember that day so well. It was a beautiful June day. Um, you had some of the wrestlers there. Kevin Kelly was there. Jim Cornette was there. Joe Coff was there. And, you know, depending on how you thought, it was either going to be, this is the next step for Ring of Honor, or this is not going to end well. Well, we'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, I believe Adam Pierce was was he Booker before Cornette? Oh yeah, it was it was Pierce? You're right. Uh, and and then Cornette. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but regardless, at the start of the or the end of the HDNet era when Sinclair bought them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was Adam Pierce who was booking or Jim Cornette, but it was one of the two. Uh, it may have been. It may have been Pierce before that, from 2008 onwards. Yeah. And uh, because, yeah, they were working with the NWA, and Pierce was NWA champion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was in 2008 or 2009. So Pierce was booking then. Then Cornette took over uh, during the early stages of the uh, uh, the Sinclair. And, then, uh, and it wasn't very long, though, before he was replaced by Hunter Johnson, a.k.a. Delirious. Yep. So Ring of Honor is now on national television They're mm-hmm. on network TV. It's syndicated, but it's, it's syndica- national. Exactly. It's syndicated, but it's national TV. Then we have another important date. June 22nd, 2014. Mm-hmm. Ring of okay. Honor's first live pay-per-view event. Best in the world, Nashville, Tennessee. And this is where Ring of Honor, I thought, maybe was starting to get their second wind because you have uh, a young Adam Cole, you have uh, Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin, uh, the Briscoes, the Young Bucks. You had a bunch of guys coming in. And And the Young Bucks at this point have just joined a group in Japan. Yes, a bullet group, club. which we'll get to. <laughs> yes, a club of bullets, the Bullet Club. So, or life. So, Ring of and Honor has this. AJ Styles just left TNA. Yeah. <laughs> so they have like the second, like I said, second, you know, second wind of energy, or this wind of energy, second wind. And, you know, they're starting to get new, you know, not only are they getting new talent, but they're also getting talent from Japan. And they've had. Yeah, I'm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I I was watching at this point. Okay, so, so yeah, because they they had a relationship with uh, Noah and mm-hmm. a previous relationship with Dragon uh, Gate. Dragon Gate, uh, but and they even had a previous relationship with New Japan for they did a, a Best of the Super Juniors American version, right. um, which didn't really go that well uh, because I mean they were still Japan. New Japan was still in Enochiism at that point. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and that was like in 2006. Um, but in 2014, they established a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I also, they even had 
in the beginning, they had a working relationship with Zero One. Yes. And because uh, Steve Carino worked for them. Exactly. Yeah. And their second final battle was with All Japan Pro Wrestling, even though All Japan wasn't what it used to be in in 2003, but it was still All Japan. It's still All Japan. <laughs> you still, you know, it's like, oh, it's All Japan. Oh, those guys aren't going to be there. Okay, but still, it's All Japan. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then and then we get Tanahashi, Okada, Naito. We get the Bullet Club. We Nakamura. Get... Nakamura, we get LIJ, we're getting Chaos, we're getting all these groups. And this is where you some could make the argument that this was the best period for Ring of Honor ever. Business-wise, oh, yes. it definitely was. For business, absolutely. They were they were selling out all their shows. Mm-hmm. Every show that had the Bullet Club on it would sell out immediately. Uh, And uh, like the Young Bucks and AJ Styles initially, because Fergal Devitt, uh, Prince Devitt, went to WWE at that point Mm -hmm. and became Finn Balor. But AJ Styles took over leadership of the Bullet Club right after. Yeah. And so in 2014, you have Ring of Honor guys and New Japan guys going back and forth all the time and storylines interacting with each other. You have the rise of Jay Lethal as the ace of the oh, company. Yes. You have all of this kind of stuff coming at once. And and people criticize um, Hunter Johnson's booking by saying it wasn't very exciting booking because it was very predictable. But that's not necessarily a bad thing for long-term business and wrestling because it means your audiences can trust you. Yeah. And uh, every time they did something, they had a purpose in doing it. And, and so while his booking wasn't necessarily super exciting, it was consistent. And that was what Ring of Honor desperately needed. Yeah. And uh, moving into that 2014 stage, you started to see the payoffs of that long-term, uh, consistent booking of this is our next guy, then this is our next guy, then this is our next guy. And it worked perfectly with New Japan because Ghetto books the same way. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of synergy between both companies. And then suddenly you're getting dream matches of Kevin Steen, a.k.a. Kevin Owens, against Shinsuke Nakamura in the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, You're getting Okada facing off against Moose, of all things. Right. You're getting uh, Tetsuya Naito uh, coming in to wrestle. You get Tomohiro Ishii versus Bobby Fish for the Ring of Honor television title. Uh, Uh, Ishii actually won held for time yes he did yes and and then bobby fish i i never forget the finish bobby fish won the title back by choking ishii unconscious with a rear naked choke and i thought that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so for my own journey as a fan um i stopped watching wrestling in about 2000 and 2005 for a bit, except for Ring of Honor and TNA. Uh, And then I stopped watching wrestling completely in like 2009 uh, because I was into UFC and that's what I was focused on. Uh, But every now and then I would check out a Ring of Honor show. Uh, And every time I checked it out, I never regretted it. it. It was like I was so happy every time watching it. Uh, And I checked out a TNA during the Hogan era. Uh, so my wrestling fandom was waning, but I, it wasn't that 
it wasn't that I wasn't a wrestling fan. It's just that I, WWE was not doing it for me. Yeah. And uh, Ring of Honor uh, was a bit harder to access because of the DVDs, but they were moving into internet pay-per-view and things like that. So it was easier for me to watch. And uh, and uh, TNA, TNA was a disaster in 2009 onward. Uh, just a complete disaster of horrible booking um, until about 2015. <laughs> but... Uh, it was 2014 I came back to wrestling. So this is relevant because to tie it into the Ring of Honor stuff. Um, by this point, Brian Danielson was one of the top guys in WWE. Mm-hmm. And it was in January of 2014. I, I watched the Royal Rumble, and it was the Royal Rumble where the fans, the first Royal Rumble where the fans completely turned on it and chanted Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan's name all night from the start when he had his match against Bray Wyatt to the end of the show when he did not show up and they turned heel on Rey Mysterio. Yep, poor Rey. I don't, how do you boo Rey Mysterio? I don't know. But, but WWE yeah. got it to happen. Uh, and uh, the funny thing is because is Rey is literally the nicest guy like mm-hmm. in the world. Like he, He's legitimately a quality human being. And um, anyways, uh, that intrigued me. And because I was a Ring of Honor fan, I was really into CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Punk left a few day, few days later, never to return. <laughs> and uh, but Danielson was getting these reactions, and I'm like, how in the world did this guy who does not fit the WWE mold get these reactions? Like I I knew since 2004 that he was one of the best ever, mm-hmm. but. I never expected him to get over in WWE because he's 5'8 and 175 pounds, you know? And here he is getting the biggest reactions. And so I stuck with him, and that brought me back into wrestling. But um, I was growing tired of WWE's inconsistent booking, and so I went back to Ring of Honor in 2015, and I started watching New Japan, uh, the G1 Climax in 2015, because of AJ Styles being in it. And uh, by the end of it, uh, AJ Styles was not the guy I was cheering for anymore. It was Shinsuke Nakamura, and he was my favorite wrestler. Right. Uh, it, it, I, and I realized it partway through when I watched a Ring of Honor episode, and uh, uh, it was Nakamura versus Roderick Strong uh, on a Ring of Honor TV episode. And Nakamura's music hit, and I started marking out because I didn't know that was on the show. And... Uh, that's when I realized Shinsuke Nakamura was my favorite wrestler. Yeah. But uh, that's when I got into New Japan. And so Ring of Honor was the introduction to New Japan for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I, I, I watched the occasional show from New Japan here and there. Year, years, every now and then, I would find them online and watch them. Um, and uh, I remember watching one like in 2011, the new beginning 2011. And it was Taka Michinoku and a six-man tag at the start of it. Oh, wow. uh, but... Uh, I, yeah, uh, so I I would watch the occasional show, but uh, I was never really, I was beyond, beyond casual. I was very, very occasional. Yeah. And uh, Ring of Honor served as that motivation for me to go watch New Japan. And uh, it was easier to access because of New Japan World at that point. And um, I was in. Like what? Uh, I was in deep with Ring of Honor in New Japan at that point, uh, and Ring of Honor revived my love for wrestling again, uh, along with New Japan. And uh, same here, same here, Josiah. 
Yeah, like, I mean, and I said, I and mean, it's the same thing in the early 2000s. Like, after WCW died, I watched the WWF um, because it was the only wrestling on. And uh, I was a WCW fan, but I, and I liked I liked the WWF. I liked their stars. I liked Steve Austin. I liked Brock Lesnar. I liked Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle and all those guys. But the same problem always happens when I watch WWE. The booking eventually becomes inconsistent. And uh, it's worse now than it's ever been. And uh, I I love the talent there. I love the talent in that company. But um, I just... I couldn't watch it anymore. And and then the Saudi deal was my final straw. I couldn't de- I just, <laughs> I, I couldn't support the company after the Saudi deal, which yeah. Bill and Jim have heard me talk about many times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, but ring of honor is really, even from the early two thousands is why I am still a wrestling fan. And so we were getting to that stage with it here when ring of honor is hot right now. Like 2014 and 2015, they are the hottest indie in the world. Uh, and arguably, and at that point, TNA was on the decline so severely that Ring of Honor overtook them as the second largest promotion by yeah. easily. Because uh, Ring of Honor was making money, they were paying their talent well. Meanwhile, they have Sting, Sting in TNA and, <laughs> and guys like that, and Ring of Honor's outdrawing them. Uh, they're making more money on pay per view. You know, maybe not outdrawing the ticket sales necessarily. Right, right. But, but outdrawing on pay-per-view and actually making a profit, um, which TNA was not. They, I think they made one year of profit between 2002 and 2019. I think they've had one year where they were profitable, and it was 2006 when Kurt Angle came in and they sold 60,000 pay-per-view buys. But... Um, Anyways, Bill, I'll let you continue with your history. Okay. So, Go ahead. you know, they're, they're hot. It, it gets so hot that Kenny Omega makes appearances, comes from Japan to the and United he, States. And now and he's the new leader of the Bullet Club after kicking out AJ Styles. Yep. And then, fresh from his release of WWE, <laughs> is Cody Rhodes. Yes, indeed. But, because in some strange weird legal process that we're not going to get into. He's not Cody Rhodes. He's just just Cody. Cody. And Cody has put another shot of adrenaline into the arm of Ring of Honor, and they're getting more people to watch. Shirts are selling. Tickets are selling out. Bullet Club, New Japan, Ring of Honor. This can't get any better. And, and it's around this time the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega launch BTE. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Cody is a part of it. Hangman Page is a part of it because uh, Ghetto specifically requested Hangman Page to be a part of the Bullet Club because he saw him as a future main eventer. Um, and uh, they also had Adam Cole just join in. Uh, and so there's really this kind of this conflict brewing between who's the leader of the Bullet Club, between Adam Cole and Kenny Omega and Cody. And uh, there were some intrigue being built and cross-promotional storylines happening all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and Ring of Honor was hot at this point. Uh, and I think it culminated in 2016, 
they did a WrestleMania weekend. Maybe it was 2017, but they, they did a WrestleMania weekend show that drew like 7,000 people, which was the largest attendance they ever did. And uh, they, they the, have been doing WrestleMania weekend shows since 2004. <laughs> like they were the first ones to do a show the weekend of a WrestleMania. And everyone has caught on since. Yep. And so, it, should, it should be noted, too, though, mm-hmm. that WWE at this time was signing everyone they could from Ring of Honor. Yeah. Everyone. Oh, yeah. El Generico, uh, Kevin Steen, yep. um, AJ. Like, every single guy that made the main event scene in Ring of Honor eventually probably ended up in WWE at that point. At some point, they did. And then we get a very interesting event. And this is kind of in the Ring of Honor story, but it has to be mentioned. So on the Twitter, Cody Rhodes and Dave Meltzer made a $1 bet. The bet is that Cody and the Bucks can promote and draw 10,000 people into an arena for an independent wrestling show. That show happened to be all in. And uh, Dave, Dave said, unlikely, but Ring of Honor may be able to do it eventually. And, well... <laughs> Dave was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he paid Cody that dollar. And he did. We, he get, did. we have all in. And it featured Ring of Honor stars, Impact stars... Uh, wrestlers from Japan. It it was like, you know, kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya of pro wrestling that day. For uh, <laughs> all, all intents and purposes, and yes, I use that properly, not intensive, all intents and purposes, right. Right. Uh, it was a Ring of Honor super show that welcomed the indies. Yeah. Uh, and New Japan talent, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this had everyone. It had Stephen Amell the actor from Arrow, uh, wrestling Christopher Daniels. Yeah. I mean, it got, like, this is how open door this was. It was so open door that not only did we have the star of Arrow on the show, we had leaping Lanny Poffo in the corner of Jay Lethal in one and of the matches. Th- there is one point that we need to rewind back to, though, that's important okay. to the story. Okay. Uh, just a little bit before All In, actually, earlier that year, yeah, Chris Jericho wrestled Kenny Omega. That's right. At Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. And this was unheard of uh, because Don Callis recently started doing English commentary with Kevin Kelly for uh, for New Japan, and Kevin Kelly left his Ring of Honor role and handed it down to Ian Riccoboni, uh, the guy he was grooming to replace him. And Don Callis is was friends with Kenny Omega and he was friends with Chris Jericho and he started a group chat on Twitter between the three of them. And so he said, how about we do some business? Because Jericho, his WWE contract just ended, but he was still doing WWE house shows and showing up for special events. And in his mind, he was never going to work anywhere else. But, uh, the idea of wrestling Kenny Omega in New Japan at a main event in one of, rest, one of the Wrestle Kingdoms was very intriguing to him. And um, regardless of what you say about Jericho, uh, like 
as far as political views and anything goes like that. Yeah. Um, setting all that aside, this man loves wrestling. And he knows how to make money in it. And he knows how to get guys over. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to make stars. And he loves doing it. So he loves putting other guys over. He loves it. Um, and uh, he thought this could be really fun. And then he shows up in New Japan, shocking everybody, uh, because he wrestled at WrestleMania that year. Right. I th- uh, I th- was it the feud with Kevin Owens? I think. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, and he shows up for a match against uh, against Kenny Omega, and it added like 7,000 tickets to Wrestle Kingdom that year after that match was announced from foreigners. Mm-hmm. And it was this that led Tony Khan to taking notice that there might be some money in having a promotion built around Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and these guys. And uh, Jericho at this point then shows up at All In. And, and at that point, he was like, I will never work uh, a show on American soil that is in WWE. Right. And uh, he did a few more New Japan shows. He did some other WWE house shows, and I think he did a few special episodes of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was during that time frame that he pitched to Vince McMahon a match between him as the IWGP Intercontinental Champion versus Seth Rollins as the Intercontinental Champion, and Vince turned it down. So uh, Chris did a little more work in New Japan, and because of the work with New Japan, he and he ended up partnering with Ring of Honor to do the first ever Jericho Cruise. Mm-hmm. And this kind of tied into All In because they wanted to build the Jericho Cruise, and that was a deal Ring of Honor had with them. And so after Kenny Omega's excellent match with Pentagon Jr., a.k.a. Penta El Zero Miedo, a.k.a. Penta Obscuro. Right, after this uh, week. Pentagon Dark. Uh, Pentagon Jr. Yes, indeed. And the match was awesome. Uh, And then the lights go out and they come back on. And there's a guy laying there in the ring. And... I was I was watching it with a friend uh, online. Am I? We we had a like over Facebook Messenger, right? And we looked at the guy in the mat and we're like, "That's not Pentagon." And then we look at him stand up and how he started throwing punches and we started screaming, "It's Jericho!" <laughs> <laughs> and Jericho showed up and challenged Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to a match. Uh, I believe it was uh, Jericho and the Young Bucks versus someone else. Anyways, the Bucks of Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, versus Kenny Omega or something else. But uh, anyways, it ended up being on the Jericho cruise. And Chris Jericho did a show that was not, not WWE on North American soil. Mm-hmm. And the amazing Scandalous. part in it, because he was at a concert that uh, that earlier that day. And the person who flew him, flew him there for that show was none other than Tony Khan. Mm. So, after everything that just happened there, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to get even better. Well, mm-hmm. Then comes the big announcement. Ring of Honor, Madison, New Japan, 
will do a show in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Which I was there for a lot. We were both there as well. Yeah. yeah. It was oh, uh, man. my I, first, uh, time, first time in uh, Madison Square Garden. Man, I think that was before I knew... Well, it's obviously before I knew you, Brian, but I think it's before I knew you, Bill. If, yeah. if I knew, it would have been nice to meet up. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll do it another time. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Ring of Honor in the garden. It's like... It, it doesn't it get bigger than this. It, get, it Not only can it get bigger, it can't get any better. And it's sold out in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Six, it was like 16... Let me pull up the number. It was... 16,534 people. Yep. Paid. Paid. And I think uh, there was like 17,000 in the building. Yeah. So, it's like, this can't get any better. Well, this is where it goes downhill for a bit. Sadly. Because Cody's gone, the Bucks are gone, Adam Page is gone, Omega is gone, basically to start forming all elite wrestling and ring of honor lost all their main event talent, but pretty much. Yeah. The show in the garden, depending on how you feel, either was a success or it bombed. So uh, there is yeah, a, I want to hear your opinion. Cause I, I, I know Brian's. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. It was my first ever ring of honor show live. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, I've, I've never had a chance to go to one before. Right. And, uh, and it was the first time I had, uh, enough money saved to be able to do it. And, uh, I, I knew the main event was going to be Okada. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know who he was to be facing, but I, I, because I was a new Japan fan at that point, I had to see Okada and Tanahashi live. That was like my goal. I, I had to see these guys work live um, as a fan. So that's why I went to the show. Uh, the Ring of Honor was a very nice bonus, but I went from New Japan. Right. Um, I would say the Ring of Honor side of the show was tainted by two things. Uh, first off, Bully Ray booking an angle with Enzo and Cass without telling anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, including not telling the Ring of Honor management. That was a problem, <laughs> and uh, it distracted away from Toru Yano stealing the tag titles mm-hmm. and running away, which uh, G.O.D. won the match, uh, Gorillas of Destiny. They were the Ring of Honor and IWGP tag team champions at the same time. Uh, and the match was good until Enzo and Cass showed up, uh, specifically Enzo. Uh, but, I mean, Cass at that point, had, has, he's done a lot to restore his image since then. Um, but Enzo was very unpopular at that moment and for good reason. Uh, and that we like me and my friend, where we were sitting there probably halfway up in the lower bowl. Mm -hmm. So we had perfect view of everything. And, uh, on the, the hard camera was on the other side. Yeah. Uh, so we had a perfect view of everything. We saw Enzo and Cass and we're like, is that Enzo? Like yeah, what was going on, and and we were appa- like appalled. Uh, but a neat little thing that happened. Oh, sorry, a side note on the show. Uh, we were somehow we were positioned with like Japanese fans behind us, and oh, tons no. of from Japan. Oh no! 
and uh, no, this was great because they would they were very respectful and acted like Japanese wrestling fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and they would pop for the big stars and they would pop for the big moves and moments and follow the psychology of the matches. But, uh, and I didn't understand what they were saying, but it was uh, just very interesting getting a true new Japan experience that way. Yeah. Uh, because, but there were, there was a guy sitting next to me that didn't even look at the show the whole time. He was on his phone the whole time. I was like, well, why are you, why are you here? Exactly. Uh, yeah. like you, you probably spent like $800 for this ticket. Why are you here? Uh, but anyways, um, the, uh, the show, that was the first thing that I went, Oh, that's not that good. But, uh, it was a little bit before that, that I, I had to go to the washroom mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> Uh, I actually met Carrie Silken in the hallway. <laughs> uh, there he was walking around. I was like, Carrie? He goes, hi. <laughs> and I shake his hand and I, I said, the show is really great. And he said, yeah, we're so happy and so proud. Uh, and it was just kind of a neat moment because I didn't expect that. Uh, I sat down next to my friend and I said, so I just met, met Carrie. I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, but the uh, the show went on, and we got to the ladder match, and it was Matt Taven versus Marty Skrull versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor title. And Ring of Honor wanted to go on last initially. I'm glad that New Japan nixed that. that. Yeah. Uh, and I should say this to to preface this: I I love Matt Taven. Like I think he's great. Um. But, but, like, I actually met him in the kingdom before the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the meeting greets I did, and I met Zack Sabre Jr. as well. And uh, all really nice guys. Uh, and I got to interview the Vinny Merseglia and uh, um, Vincent now is his name, Vincent, and uh, Matt Taven. I interviewed them both for Daily DDT at that point. And uh, Taven did not remember me because he does so many interviews at that point. But he, he did say, I really hope I wasn't a jerk to you because sometimes I do enough of them that I get a little cranky. And uh, he wasn't at all. Uh, he was very, very nice. Uh, and uh, Vinny remembered me. Uh, he, we, he remembered our specific discussion that we had about his love of horror movies and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it was a very nice experience meeting them. Uh, and I knew the booking was going to go with Matt Taven as champion. It's the only thing that made sense. Yeah. Uh, because like the storyline made sense. Like all, all the booking was very logical, but, and in retrospect, it was probably the right choice given the other option was Marty Skrull, which we know did not a good idea. Yeah. Um, for personal reasons on his end that a lot of things came out about him. Um, and, uh, well, well, speaking out and yeah, he's not, he's not a nice human being. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in retrospect, Taven was probably the right choice, but, uh, and booking wise, it made sense, but the crowd did not want that. And oh, I remember the crowd was so upset The a lot of people were very upset, but anyone who paid attention to the ring of honor product should have known that was where it was going. Um, but that said, that was still a booking mistake to end up in that position. And Taven did not draw as champion, but he was set up to fail because he was the guy that was after bullet club. 
and being after Bullet Club is a position you don't want to be in. And uh, so Taven, I don't blame Taven for it. I blame circumstances that were beyond Ring of Honor's control. That's how I put that. Uh, Although some of it was their own fault. Some of it was. And they did have a chance to make uh, an impact that would last. uh, And they fumbled. They fumbled the ball, for sure. Uh, But then the main event happened with Jay White and Kazuchika Okada. And I was sent home very happy from that show. Yeah. But with with the main event, Okada winning, uh, cutting a promo in English that didn't make the air, but after the show, talking about how much he loved us and he was coming back, and that he was going to take New Japan to new heights. And uh, lo and behold, he's doing it again this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. because at that point, I believed Okada is the best wrestler I've ever seen. I, I, and I, Bill and Jim have heard me say this for many times. I, I legitimately believe he's the greatest wrestler of all time, uh, at least in ring. Um, and, uh, I won't argue with that. No. Yeah, he's, I won't. he's outstanding. Like, I, I don't know his two-year title reign, the Kenny Omega end it, may have been the best title reign I've ever seen in my life. Uh, every single match was awesome. Uh, inclu- he got good matches at a bad luck Fale. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and don't get me wrong, I like Fale as, as a nice mid-card big man, but he had like a four-star match with bad luck Fale. Like, that's unbelievable. Uh, and he and he's he, it's funny because then he took some time off to be like get let other guys like naito and them get over mm-hmm. and now this year he's champ again and you can already tell this is this is main event okada back yeah and uh main event okada is a scary man to have to follow if you ever have to follow him because <laughs> you can't yeah and uh so i i walked home happy i enjoyed the show I thought it was a really good show, uh, except for those two moments, and that left enough of a sour taste in enough people's mouths yeah. that it soured people on Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor's follow-up to it was not as bold as it should have been. Mm-mm. So they did see a decline uh, from 2019 until really today. Yeah. So after the Garden Show for a while... It's like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens. Uh, the Bully Ray incident with the fan, the quote-unquote investigation, which really would take forever to explain. Um, and, and, and honestly, you, you've probably heard both me and Jim rant about that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I personally, I, uh, I, well, I've never heard really what you and Brian have thought about it, though. My thing is, I understand Bully Ray being like, you know, you shouldn't talk to women that way. But at the same time, this is the same guy that on an ECW pay-per-view called out a mom and a daughter on live pay-per-view and said some very vulgar stuff that I cannot say on this podcast. So, Nor should you. (laughs) No, nor should I. So it's kind of like you're 
being, you know, you're being hypocritical to the guy, but at the same time, you're also being a hypocrite. That's how I look at it. That's fair. Yeah. I, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. I didn't know anything about, I mean, I've heard about what he's a fan and such, but I, and I, I kind of was, you know, I was surprised that then, I, a lot of the stuff, like the stuff in wrestling with investigations and such, they kind of, it's, yeah, you, know, you, you get shocked, but then you're, the shock of it wears off like in five, ten minutes, and you just move on. And it's not, I'm not, it's not, it's, it's sort of like a why am I not surprised? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, wrestle, wrestling historically, it's much cleaner now than it used to be. But yeah. historically, it was a very scummy business. Yeah. But now it's starting to get better. Um, so we get to 2020. And it looks like maybe things are starting to look up again. <laughs> There's a new booker, Marty Skrull. He signs, like, the most lucrative contract in Ring of Honor history. He has this thing going with... Nick Aldis, who is the NWA world champion. And NWA is gaining momentum. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, it looks like, okay, we're about to be back in 2016, 17, and 18. Then the global pandemic happens. And and speaking out soon thereafter. Yeah. Back to back. So, Ring of Honor, the and Josiah has said on the record, and I totally agree with him on this, of all the promotions that had to deal with the pandemic, Ring of Honor may have done this the best because they paid each and every person that worked for them during that time on the roster. For months while they weren't doing shows? Yeah, everybody got paid. So So then we get this announcement that we're going to come back and we're going to do a tournament to crown the new pure champion, which hadn't been used in like 15 years. Yes. Uh, a return of the pure championship. No. And it, and it was great. Oh my, that, that is one of the greatest tournaments I've ever watched from beginning to end. And this is no fans, no fans in the venue. It's all taped, but you have to watch every week. And the presentation is so good. I, I, I mean, it was incredible. They did, they did character profiles on every wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's a one-hour episode, and they would do these 10-minute videos on the guys leading into the matches. Uh, and they, they, But it, was, it wasn't like – it was like a, a USC All Access Mm-hmm. Except for pro wrestling, mm-hmm. it, it felt very sports oriented, a very uh, true to form pure wrestling product, which was Ring of Honor returning to its roots. Yeah, and I mean, I honestly, my favorite video was for Delirious, and then because like everyone got asked during this, why are you, you know, why are you in the tournament? What are you doing this for? And <laughs> In subtitles, 
Delirious's answer is because I'm bored and I have nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I like, love Delirious. That's Who knows when you have a pandemic? So the tournament comes off as a big success, critical, you know, critical success, and. You know, and their, their pay per views during this time too were definite tape. critical successes. Yeah, they were. Final Battle was really good. I, uh, I remember on several shows, me and you were like praising how great their shows were, even with no fans. Yeah. It was, it's like, it's what, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to bash WWE, but it's kind of too hard not to do it. Go ahead. It's what WWE wished they could have done. Yeah. Because yeah. if, you, if you think about it, with WWE, at first they had the Performance Center, which I didn't mind. I, I actually did not mind them using the Performance Center. It's when they did the Thunderdome that I was like, oh, dear God. And they pretended like everything was normal. Yeah, yeah. For the entire pandemic. They even had, when they were in the Performance Center, they had people play to the crowd. And the worst part is the sound noise that they used for the Thunderdome, they're still using on TV today with people there. Vince is addicted to fake crowd noise now. Yep. Listen to that crowd. Oh, pal! I don't hear anything. Break up Shut up. <laughs> what do you mean they're not on a screen and we can't control them? <laughs> Uh, so Ring of Honor, you know, they're getting back. They have their first pay-per-view in front of a crowd in July of 21. That's a good show. Best in the world. And it's like, okay, maybe they've gained their next wind. And then we get to the end of October Mm. where we get the news that at first, a lot of people thought was it. Mm-hmm. It was announced that Ring of Honor would go on hiatus after Final Battle. And some people thought, this is it. They're this done. Is, the, yeah, this is the end of Ring of Honor. Because what they said was no one was being, re- basically, no one was being resigned. Everyone was being released from their contracts. Mm-hmm. So you get to final battle. You know, and, now, and they I, even I, title I, it. They I even title it end of an era. I was very surprised when that happened. Sorry, what was that about Ring of Honor? Or final battle? They titled it End of an Era. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you were saying, Brian? That's when they announced they were going on hiatus. I mean, I didn't think they were going to shut down. But it was just, uh, I had to do a double take. Yeah. Uh, my feelings that day were very sad. Yeah. And uh, thank, thankfully, because of the site I write for, uh, the Wrestling Observer, uh, I was able to listen to the Wrestling Observer radio audio on it right away. Mm-hmm. And Dave Meltzer made it clear initially, they're not going out of business. They are moving to a pay-per-appearance deals for all the wrestlers, right? for anyone who wants to come back. And they are planning to resume in March 
of 2022. Yeah. So they have the pay-per-view, a great show. I thought I loved, loved that show. And, you know, that's it for the time being. And it it seems to have, uh, the lead up to that show seemed to mend some bridges between the guys who were in AEW and Ring of Honor as well. Uh, because that was the one promotion who wasn't in on the Forbidden Door. Yeah. And uh, when Tony Khan started that stuff. And uh, it almost like New Japan kind of became the venue for Ring of Honor to reach out to AEW. Uh, because New Japan was working with uh, AEW at that point. And, uh, and Ring of Honor... Well, I thought it was a really nice gesture from Tony Khan that uh, when their main event went down because Bandito got COVID, yeah. Tony Khan sent Jay Lethal to main event the show. And uh, and then not only that, AEW talent was all over that show in terms of talking about the importance of Ring of Honor in videos. Of course, culminating in Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that really warmed my heart because, uh, well, as I've talked about, Ring of Honor is very important to my wrestling fandom. And to be able to truly celebrate Ring of Honor that way with CM Punk, with Brian Danielson, with Adam Cole, with the Young Bucks, uh, that felt really important, I think. Yeah. So... After the show, and after the holidays, in on January 10th, 2022, they made it official that Super Card of Honor would be taking place WrestleMania weekend. And it is shaping up to be awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and then, later that day, on Wrestling Observer Live, Mr. Meltzer reported that Ring of Honor would focus on the men's, women's, and tag team titles going forward, and that they will continue to be defended at non-ROH shows, and all other titles have since been declared dormant. And this past Wednesday, like I said, was the 20th anniversary of the first Ring of Honor show, and in a way to celebrate... The 20th anniversary. This past month, Ring of Honor announced that they were doing a Hall of Fame. And they announced their first class week by week for the last four weeks. And this past Monday was the last one. And before anybody becomes smart, no, they don't have a physical building, so please don't get on our butts about Ring of Honor's Hall of Fame. You can do that with WWE, not Ring of Honor, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first class are the Briscoe Brothers, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, and CM Punk. Uh, Brian, good, good. yeah, your thoughts on that class? Awesome class. Yeah. I think all those guys deserve this. It's hard, it's hard to think of, other than maybe, well, even then, uh, I was going to say, other than maybe Christopher Daniels. Uh, 
there is not a more foundational group to Ring of Honor than these guys. And, I mean, uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and Samoa Joe are the three biggest stars they ever produced. Mm -hmm. And it seems only right that those, and uh, the Briscoes as well, because the Briscoes were really their first homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems right that it's those those uh, five people. I mean, honestly, you could have put, like, you could have put a list of 20 people, mm-hmm. and out of those 20, if those 20 had been the four or five, I would have been like, yep, that's that's a hell of a first class right there. Yeah. I expect next year will probably be uh, uh, Xavier, uh, Daniels, and uh, depending on, because he's an odd man, depending on if they can cultivate a relationship with him again, Loki. Yeah, I would um, love to see Loki get in. Uh, I, I, he's He's a very strange human being. Uh, but I mean, you, you can't argue against the first Ring of Honor champion oh, no. being in there. He, like he, he would need to be. Um, and uh, and another guy who's also a well, he's actually not a good human being. He's he's a well-known idiot. But Austin Aries, uh, he he he's well known to be a uh, a very contentious and hard to get along with human being. Um. And and he's proud of it, which makes it worse. Uh, which, but which surprised me when I heard he was working with the NWA. I'm like, really? That was that like, was, uh-oh. uh-oh, that's not going to end well. That was my first thought, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he burns bridges everywhere he goes. Um, and uh, I, I mean, if you if you can burn bridges at TNA of all people of, of all places, uh, anyways, because uh, they they take anybody. Uh, and I mean at their worst. Uh, right now, Impact's actually great, uh, at least in terms of the booking. Uh, they still do the occasional bad business decision here and there. But uh, as far as booking goes, Impact's actually really good right now. Um, uh, their last pay-per-view was awesome. No Surrender? Oh, good show. Um, but, yeah, a, a Ring of Honor coming back and Supercard of Honor being Jonathan Gresham versus Bandito as the main event to unify the original Ring of Honor title back with the the current world title. Because I like how Bandito and uh, Gresham are both defending the Ring of Honor titles now on Indies. Yeah. Because uh, Bandito never lost the title, and Gresham technically only won the original title. Uh, and now they're, uh, they're going to unify those two titles to have who's the real undisputed Ring of Honor champion. That's a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the show looks really good, and and uh, uh, Delirious has been revitalized in his booking since the pandemic. Uh, so I'm very hopeful for Ring of Honor's future as a super indie again. And that's a super maybe, indie with excellent production. Yeah, and that's maybe where it goes for a while. And I don't think it'll hurt them. That, you know, if they go back to the indie style, which is what, you know, made them who they were for so many years. And well, part of it, too, is now they can bring in the top independent talent from around the world Mm -hmm. and not have them nailed down to an exclusive contract. Right. 
and yet still showcase them on national TV and on pay-per-view. Yeah. And uh, so basically they've, they well, really they're doing what TNA did in 2006, which was most of people were on a per-appearance deal, so they can work indies wherever. Just ask that you give priority to them. Uh, which uh, produces uh, AEW does that, but they have exclusive contracts, which is funny. But uh, but AEW does the same thing, and I'm very excited for what this could mean for Ring of Honor, especially as they partner with other companies again. Uh, and I would love to see that partnership expand into AEW. Um, I would love them to join the table with AEW and New Japan. And you know what? It's actually kind of fitting that we are talking about the upcoming Supercard of Honor because uh, I, if I get in trouble for this, I will apologize in advance. But um, I was talking to a gentleman uh, lately over the last few weeks, and we are going to do a live stream of Supercard of Honor that night. Okay. So uh, as soon as I get more information, I will let everyone know. I don't know what it's going to be, but... Is it a rea- reaction stream, you mean? Maybe. Okay. Uh, this this was done within the last week, so... Okay, that's exciting. Uh, so as soon as I get more details, if it's, you know, hey, you guys could come join us to watch... You know, we'll let you know, but, um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that while we're on here. And again, if I get in trouble, I apologize in advance. <laughs> so <laughs> take uh, a bullet for the team. Yeah, I will. Take a, take a bullet for the bullet club. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Too sweet. Um, okay. So we have some time left. We've gone through the 20 year history, which I can't believe it's been 20 years. Me neither. Um, We're old. Holy crap. We are. (laughs) Like, eh, eh, okay, you know what? I'm going to reverse the order. No, 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 no. No, I'm not reversing the order that I had. I'm going to stick to the original order. What are, and we've said it throughout the show, what are some Ring of Honor moments that you have had at any point that to this day has stuck with you. And I'm going to start with Brian because Brian has been, you know, he's been watching a little bit less than Josiah and I, but I think he's got enough good memory. And he, he's to, just as much as a fan as we are. So that, exactly. that that's a matter when you start. It matters. Exactly. Uh, Damn straight. Uh, like, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not into that gatekeeping crap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, well, I remember watching it on CW and at the time it was, uh, when I first started watching it, it was when Jay Lethal, it was the House of Truth was around. They had started mm. doing stuff. Well, they hadn't gotten to New Japan yet. They were, they were about to. And as I said earlier, Scum was around. And I actually saw the, the Kingdom form for the first time with mm. Adam Cole and Taven and 
Matt Hardy was there for a bit, then he went back to WWE, then, then God knows where he went after that. <laughs> Somewhere broken. Yes. Which I actually, I will say, I love this. I love the character. I thought he was like a cool, insane person. Yes. Uh, I love Matt Hardy's broken character. Yeah. I was like, Matt Hardy has gone insane. All these years, he's finally snapped. He's no longer. He's and I think he's going insane again. Mm-hmm. Based on TV. Um, any other you want to remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, one is actually, this was at a rest, another wrestling show. Uh, I was, I'm the, the best man for one of my good friends, uh, you know him, Bill, Kevin Durant. Yep. yep. And it was in Ocean City. We were going, I got tickets to a house show, for a WWE house show, and while this is during the halftime, we walked around and some, I know, somebody, some people were talking and I overheard someone saying, I actually saw Mark and Jay Briscoe in the audience. <laughs> with That's their amazing. dad I think and I think Jay's son I think and I was kind of like Kevin's like why don't you go say hi you know I'm like I'm like, I don't want to bother you Kevin's like just go Brian so I approach very cautiously and then I said excuse me to Mark and I said I've watched you guys on Ring of Honor you guys are awesome. He, he gave me all the smiles. Like, well, thanks, brother. <laughs> I can just work saying that. Yeah. I just was, that was like the first time I actually started, you know, trying to do the wrestling conventions. That inspired the wrestling convention going. That's awesome. And then, then there was the, as Bill said, Bill and I and one of our friends, uh, Ed, went to to uh, New York to see the Madison Square Garden show. And I think we were staying at a hotel that was like down the street from. Yeah. <laughs> that, that hotel has since closed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice... They were nice people. They were nice people. Yeah. Uh, well, then again, I'm not surprised. I stayed at a hotel in Queens. Uh, is it still open? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a really, it was a nice hotel. It wasn't a, it wasn't like top of the line, but it was. Oh no, neither was ours. But no, no, hardly. Their continental breakfast was blah. <laughs> eh, wasn't the worst. Right, right. It wasn't, but still. <laughs> yeah. And that was like a right across the street. They had following day was a. Uh, Market. Yes. Oh, it was so fun, Josiah. We got in for one dollar. A flea market? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. That's so good. Yeah, but that, but the show was amazing. I think the we wanted, they had the 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 honor rumble, and every we everybody popped for two people. <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger. 
It was like number 28 or number 29. And then number three, nobody knows who this. Then I, when I was watching like this, the uh, intro video, I'm like, who is this that I reckon? Then it shows this guy with red fist paint. I'm like, it's Great Muda. It's the freaking Great Muda. I know. Yeah, everybody just went ballistic. I lost like my a mind. Bomb being dropped right there. <laughs> and uh, I, I will add, uh, Minoru Suzuki and Toru Yano had good reactions, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of marked out when Haku came out. Yes. Oh, yeah, I marked did. out for Haku as well. Uh, I actually started screaming, It's Meng! <laughs> 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 uh, it was, that, that was a really fun rumble. It was not a... I can't call it a quality match in terms of the in-ring. It was but, just fun. But it was, it was just geez. fun. Yeah, it was a fun one. Uh, I'll never forget screaming at the top of my lungs for the great Muda. I heard the music, and I was like, no! (laughs) And there he was. Mm -hmm. And what else I liked? Uh, I actually have the DVD. I actually showed my wife a couple of the matches. She didn't like the women's wrestling match. Uh, uh, Mayo E with Ani versus, versus uh, Ke- uh, Kelly, Kelly Klein. Klein. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that just reminded me. We saw Hana Kimura. I think it just oh, yeah, for that did. one. It, it wasn't that interesting for her. Uh, on the pre-show, we saw Hana Kimura before, yeah, uh, and uh, I actually wow, the yeah. day before I didn't realize it was her until now. You pointed out. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the day before, I actually went to the Stardom show. Uh, that they held in, uh, I, I think it was, uh, I don't know where it was, but uh, I, anyways, uh, it, was, it was a stardom show, WrestleMania weekend, and uh, held some place that you don't remember. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, hog wrestling was out there or whatever it was. Uh, House of Glory, uh, I think uh, it, there was a there was some sort of super show in those areas, like uh, that. It wasn't the. It wasn't uh, the, the, oh, what's the name of the super show usually every WrestleMania weekend? WrestleCon? Uh, WrestleCon, yeah. It wasn't WrestleCon. Uh, it was, an, it was another, another organization. They did their own things. Uh, I was in the WrestleCon area for uh, Kaiju Big Battle, I believe. Which was, oh, jeez. That was hilarious and fun. Uh, and I did two MLW shows, uh, which involves Battle Riot Live on TV and uh, two television tapings, two nights in a row. And I did Stardom. I didn't get to go the. I had to leave during the middle of the main event, but I saw Momo Watanabe against uh, Utami uh, Hayashida, the current champion right now in Stardom. And she was just starting, and they wrestled like a 25 minute match, and it was awesome. And uh, but I, I got to see Hannah Kimura live there as well, and she was great. Uh, God bless her. <laughs> poor, poor girl. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, that was some of my memories of that weekend, I suppose. Yeah. But you were saying, Brian, about your memories of that show. Um, I it was a blast, and to have it in Madison Square Garden, which. Is I consider one of the meccas of wrestling. Mm-hmm. What was like the icing on the cake? Yeah. 
Uh, it doesn't get I much more than that. I, well, we were trying to get a large group to go. Remember that, Bill? Yeah. I think uh, I was trying to get my wife. Yep, and then our friend was going to get his wife to go. Yeah, but neither of them, either of them declined. Both declined. Yeah. Which was understandable. Yeah. Especially if you're not a wrestling fan. Yeah. Uh, my, wife's a, my wife's a casual wrestling fan. I mean, she, I mean, I took her to uh, the uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling show over, which was in Culpeper at the time. Right. And we had front row seats. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. It, indie shows up close are fun like that. Mm-hmm. Which she enjoyed that. Uh, I, mean, she, I never, when she asked a lot of questions about wrestling, I, and I never, I know people, you know, some people get annoyed after a while, but I was very patient with her and I just explained each person what they were doing. Uh, I have always told that to people who are new to wrestling. Don't be afraid to ask questions of fans like myself and yes. things like that. Cause like, I, I have seen more wrestling than most people do in their lifetime. <laughs> and uh, I don't mind helping introduce people to things. Uh, like I've done that for people with New Japan, and I've done that for Ring of Honor, and I've done it for WWE, I've done it for WCW, those kinds of things. Um, and I've done it for indies. I've brought people to indie shows, and uh, including my father, which I brought him to an indie show, and he had so much fun. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, did you have any moments that you wanted to mention, Josiah? So for Ring of Honor history, the moments that I had in mind, uh, I remember Samoa Joe's title reign as a whole. Uh, that was that reign was, I think, one of the defining reigns for Ring of Honor, uh, of where this became not just another indie, but a, a company that was to be reckoned with, and were. Uh, changing the culture of wrestling from underneath uh, slowly but surely and making its way towards WWE even now where the in-ring style is very similar to what you would have gotten in Ring of Honor although uh, a little more choreographed because WWE scripts everything out um, but uh, I, I guess NXT 2.0 is the exact opposite though because they're going away from indie wrestlers but uh I, I don't think it can be uh, overstated how important Ring of Honor has been to wrestling. Um, they filled a gap that was left by ECW and WCW to provide people with a place to work, but not only that, to showcase uh, young guys and guys who would never get a chance otherwise. Yeah. Uh, like At that time, WWE was kind of like what they are right now. All big guys, 280 pounds of muscle, have no idea how to work. And uh, they even had a, a, an early women's division where, where they had uh, Allison Danger and uh, Sarah Del Rey, who's one of the uh, trainers in WWE now. Uh, and they, they've had all these people who were kind of like the forerunners to even the TNA knockouts division. And uh, they, they started to showcase that because uh, through that, they, they partnered with Shimmer and Shine. And, uh, and they were able to um, 
kind of build an underground resurgence of women's wrestling as well, especially with Shimmer. Yeah. Um, and uh, which really kind of led to the women's division in WWE right now. And then, uh, of course, I would have to think the fans of Shimmer are now fans of Stardom, which is right. the best women's wrestling in the world and one of the best promotions on the planet. Uh, they are unbelievable at Stardom. Uh, and so you can see the fingerprint of Ring of Honor taking that Japanese junior style and that WCW cruiserweight style and mixing the two things and bringing that to a greater stage, but also putting an emphasis on pure wrestling as well. And like, I mean, you had Kenta Kobashi versus Samoa Joe. That match was awesome. Uh, unbelievable match uh, for memories. And then you have, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, Brent Albright versus Adam Pierce. Yes. It, uh, it was a 2008 show. I think it was Death Before Dishonor for the NWA title. That match was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brent Albright left WWE, but it was really good. Uh, and and not, not many people are going to even compare that because the main event was uh, Nigel McGuinness, Brian Danielson, uh, Tyler Black, uh, now Seth Rollins, and uh, I forget who the other guy was. But this is off the top of my head, which goes to show you how much I remember this stuff. Like, how much has stuck with me. And uh, I may have been Ring of Honor's first show in Hammerstein. But uh, anyways, I, I watched that, and it's like great matches there. Uh, but then I, I look at the... One of the things that stuck with me, too, is when I was watching uh, the Young Bucks and AJ Styles and these guys bring the Bullet Club to Ring of Honor, and I started thinking, wrestling feels cool again for me. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed it and it's always been cool to me in the sense that I understand the art form and I like it but this feels like it has mainstream appeal yeah and uh, seeing the growth of Ring of Honor through uh, with the Bullet Club and New Japan and it's just so much exciting things and then of course uh, at the Garden Show um like, I, I know it wasn't a Ring of Honor match, but uh, Okada versus Jay White, Ring of Honor was still an essential part of that show. They're the reason why that show happened in, in the sense of um, legally WWE tried to step in and block them from going to Madison Square Garden, but Sinclair pushed back. Sinclair pushed back and threatened to sue Madison Square Garden, which opened up the floodgates. Now anyone can work Madison Square Garden. Uh, and... I'm sure that someday New Japan is going to return, and uh, hopefully it will be Ring of Honor and AEW and Impact on that title as well. Uh, and oh, that would be a good, that would be a really good show. Wouldn't it? It'd be so awesome to see a joint super show, right? Uh, and even if they don't interact with each other, just have major matches from each company happen or something like that. Uh, and you know, and, and now we, it's very exciting because New Japan's working with Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan, and I'm guessing they're probably going to be working with all Japan before the end of the year. And so, really, though, all this point being, Ring of Honor exposed me to all these different types of wrestling. Uh, I suppose WCW is what exposed me to New Japan ultimately, because uh, I was a big WCW mark. And uh, I love seeing Masahiro Chono and all that show up as NWO, NWO Japan. 
and uh, and they exposed me to CMML and AAA as well, uh, which is why how I became aware of the wider world of wrestling. You didn't ever talk about that in WWE, but you talked about it in WCW, and I feel like the the tradition of even though WCW was a mess at the end, the tradition of recognizing the wider world of wrestling was carried on in Ring of Honor and really laid the groundwork for AEW. Uh, and without, without Ring of Honor, wrestling would not be what it is today. It may be dead, uh, except for WWE. And that would be terribly sad um, because it brought a resurgence of the indies. I'm going to see now, because I live in Ottawa, I'm going to go to the C4 show and watch uh, watch Josh Alexander and Biff Busick, a.k.a. Oni Lorcan from NXT, wrestle. They're not wrestling each other, but they're wrestling separately on the right. show. Right. show I've ever been to except for the WrestleMania weekend stuff. And uh, I suppose uh, I, and it's just interesting because my love for Ring of Honor and stuff gave me a love for the indies. And through that, I got involved with my local promotion when I was in New Brunswick. And I got to become their social media guy uh, before I moved away to here. Uh, and I was their social media guy for a few years and helped them in the production side. I produced the first ever live pay-per-view from the Maritimes on Fight TV, where I got to work with Cole Cabana. Like, what? Like, like, this is, like I, uh, it didn't make air because we didn't have the time. But before the show, we did a pre-show promo with Cole Cabana. And... For lack of a better term, I was a producer of that segment. Uh, it really wasn't me doing anything. It was just me pointing a camera and saying, this is what this guy said, and this is what we need. Uh, and then Cole Cabana cut a promo off the top of his head. Uh, and it was awesome. But the fact that I got to do that, that's really interesting. Uh, and a kind of a nice little story I can have as a part of my life. Uh, and... Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Ring of Honor giving me a love for the indies, I don't even know if I would have checked out my local indie. And lo and behold, I made great friends who I am still friends with to this day and uh, and will be for the rest of my life. Uh, like, I met some really wonderful people, and uh, I got to be a part of the production side of a wrestling show, which is remarkable, it was, and it was really fun. <laughs> uh, it, it is a whole different thing to be on the other side of the curtain and know generally and in some cases specifically what is going to happen and anticipate it like a, a character turning heel that you never expected or things like that it, uh, and getting the exact reaction we wanted uh, that's that is an other level of fun I gotta say uh, although sitting in the stands and being a fan is just as fun as well Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there's two different it's just two different types of fun and uh, I've gotten to see both sides of that and it was Ring of Honor that inspired my love for that so I, I guess I could say Ring of Honor is a significant part of why I am a wrestling fan um for me um I mean obviously the show at Madison Square Garden um that's one of those things that you just take with you for the rest of your life. Um, Historic. It is, yeah. Um, one, one thing that I was thinking about while both of you were talking um, was I was able to show 
my grandmother when uh, she when she was still alive. Um, the the main event from the first show, and this was about a month and a half before she passed away. And, and I remember her reaction. You know, uh, as only a grandmother could be. Because, you know, like, she laughed, and she's like, oh, my gosh, these guys have got to be hurt, you know. And, you know, <laughs> is this 95-year-old woman, sweet as could be. And it was just, yeah, it was just one of those fun, you know, moments that I had, you know, one of the last good moments that I had with my grandmother. Um, and then... Being able to go to the Ring of Honor shows in Manassas, Virginia with my dad, we went to all but one show when they ran in Manassas, Virginia. And the only reason we didn't go to the one was because it was the week before Christmas. So we both decided, eh, we're not going to go. And then we found out like a few days before that, oh, we're getting a big snowstorm that weekend. So... You know, it was like, oh, I don't know if they're even going to do a show. They they did end up doing a show. Um, what year was that? That was 2009, that, that one show. Okay. So, but they were there for like a two or three year period. Okay. Um, For me, it's the promotion that saved me from being out of wrestling. If it was not for that first show, I don't think I would be here today talking to the both of you and talking to whoever is listening to this podcast about something that I've loved since I was a kid, pro wrestling, and a promotion that I have stuck by with since I was a teenager. It's kind of like... If, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a sports comparison. Ring of Honor is kind of like that first team that you really root for, because mm-hmm. like during the Monday Night Wars, I was like I was watching both. I was watching WWF and WCW, so I didn't have a rooting interest. But Ring of Honor was something different. There was something different about it that made it like. I can get behind this. This is like my kind of stuff. And I mean, it's just so many good shows, so many memories. I mean, we've mentioned it for the past two hours, you know, everything. And some of like the moments that we kind of remember because of ring of honor, like my brother's wedding, like I mentioned earlier, was the same day as the first Punk Joe title match, which I don't know what it's just one of those weird things that I remember still to this day. But, um, I it's just Ring of Honor's meant so much to me, and because of Ring, I'm not saying in particular because of Ring of Honor, but I I've been able to do something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid, and that was cover sports and then wrestling you know getting to go to the the press conference with Sinclair 10 years ago and just one of the great thrills that I ever had and 
it was possible because of Ring of Honor. I, there's nothing else that you could really say. Um, so I have one last question to wrap up this show. And this is for all three of us. When Ring of Honor does end, whenever it is, hopefully not for a long time, but when it does end, what is the legacy, the impact of Ring of Honor? Oh, that's a good question. I'll, let I'll, I'll go. F- oh, go ahead, Brian. I'll, I'll let Brian I'll go first Brian. too. I was thinking that. <laughs> For me, <laughs> time to think. Honor, like you said, Bill, it helped me stay in touch with wrestling. I mean, at the time, WWE was everywhere, and. It was just becoming the same thing over and over again. But with Ring of Honor, there was there was something new and new energy. And from there, actually, from Ring of Honor, and that's where I started diving in to other promotions. Well, well, Impact Wrestling was the before Ring of Honor, but I wasn't much of an impact wrestler at the time. Right. But I started liking, started getting into New Japan. And then it also helped me go into looking at the wrestling territories that happened, that occurred before WBF became an, of an empire. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say call an evil, evil empire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay, evil <laughs> empire it is. <laughs> And what do you mean, more evil, pal? <laughs> We've I done good for that. humanity. We're reforming Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, so it just so Ring Ring of Honor has uh, it's going to be one of my promote favorite promotions. It also helped be a springboard to a lot of guys. As I could name, I'm not gonna name all of them because that would just take forever. And, uh, <laughs> right, we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, and the amount of stars they created—it's ridiculous. It is. So I think I give them a credit for there, and it also helped have Philadelphia as a wrestling place and Baltimore because they did a lot of stuff in Baltimore. So it kind of. Uh, if you were a Philadelphia Philadelphia fan of wrestling, you're proud and you lot you you long for something like ECW. Ring of Honor was that. If you were a Baltimore fan longing for a wrestling thing, that's not a WWE stylized show. You got Ring of Honor. Hmm. Yeah, and I like how you noted that uh, it was the follow-up to ECW, but was completely different in so many ways. Although the uh, like, like you would get Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn wrestling these kind of matches, for example. But uh, it is interesting that Gabe saw this new style and thought, "We're not going to go the hardcore route. We're going to go traditional." pure wrestling and go back to like the basics of territory style booking 
but have modern in-ring. Very interesting philosophy that worked very well. So, so for the legacy of Ring of Honor, in my opinion, uh, since WCW died, there has not been a single promotion more influential in North American wrestling, uh, maybe ever, than Ring of Honor. Um, I mean, you look at all the top guys in WWE, barring a few, uh, like Roman Reigns, for example. And that's not, by the way, this is not a knock on Roman Reigns. Roman is awesome. Oh, no. no, 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 no Roman, Roman is incredible. Um, but, Roman, you get a pass. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, but almost all the top guys in WWE the last 15 years came from Ring of Honor. Uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, and then you have a whole bunch of mid-card guys as well. Cesaro, who just left. He left today. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, he did? Uh, you, yeah, yeah. Claudio Pasilnogi is back. Uh, he is, they, they couldn't come to terms on a contract, and uh, Claudio left WWE. And, uh, as I said it before, about damn time. Yes, yes. And the kings of wrestling are both free agents right now, Chris Hero and Claudia. Maybe we my can... Wrestling can... My wrestling league can use them. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Crockett Cup is coming up. Yes, it is. And they do have a TBD for that. Um, and, and and just real quick, because... He left. It wasn't. He does. He does not have to do the ninety day complete. No, he can. No, he can be on AEW uh, tomorrow. Rampage. Oh, on, if it wasn't pre taped, but <laughs> he can be on anywhere at any time. Yep. And uh, with the NWA, Chris Hero is a producer in the NWA. So, hmm. Uh, but uh, I think Chris Hero has been producing an Impact as well. Anyways, uh, either way, he's he's been producing everywhere. Uh, but I'd like to see him back in the ring. Uh, but that said, uh, you look at all the talent they produced. Look at the WWE main event scene right now. You got Kevin Owens. You got Seth Rollins. You got uh, who's some other guys that have been there. It, I'm not talking immediately, but over the past few years. AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Brian Danielson. CM Punk. Uh, and Cesaro had a cup of coffee in a main event push last year. Um, and you, you got so many other guys who have come through Ring of Honor. Adam Cole, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, uh, the entire Undisputed Era, uh, um, Roderick Strong. Uh, you, you, and you have all these guys. And then put this in perspective, too. People who worked for Ring of Honor are trainers in WWE now as well. Uh, yeah. at Adam Pierce and Sarah Del Rey uh, are are basically two of the the more influential people who were in Ring of Honor and now including Pierce booking for Ring of Honor and now he's one of the main guys backstage in WWE uh, Ring of Honor transformed the business and actually played a role in cleaning it up as well because it showcased a lot of guys who were fans of wrestling but were not like their heroes with the problems that they had in the 80s. Uh, because we were seeing wrestlers, sadly, drop dead every week. 
and uh, usually due to drugs and things like that. And that, and I mean, I've, there are still, of course, problems like that today, but it's far less. Mm-hmm. The the party lifestyle of wrestling uh, never really carried over much into Ring of Honor and other indies from the, going forward from that, um, where some of the old guys complain that the kids just play video games these days instead oh, of going yeah, to the bar and getting in fights. Like, okay, which one's better? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> which one's going to make you live longer? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and it, it provided uh, small guys a chance to showcase themselves as, as wrestlers who not only could have good matches, but wrestlers who could draw. Uh, like, like Brian Danielson was a legit huge draw for Ring of Honor uh, for them. And by huge, I mean hundreds and thousands of tickets, not like, you know, tens of thousands. But then he started selling out tens of thousands in WWE. And uh, and it gave a chance to CM, for CM Punk to learn his craft, like he talked about in that promo when he came back on Rampage. He built a home that people could learn their craft and get paid. And it provided in a post WCW era a place for people not only to learn to wrestle uh, because the territory system was gone. And so there was no real places to learn to wrestle. And this led to a revival of the Indies that gave a stage for all these guys to learn to work. And uh, then there ended up being, you know, hundreds of indie companies that are, uh, providing ways for people to learn their craft and get paid. Um, Ring of Honor started the indie revolution uh, in, in wrestling. And while they took the concept that was already happening happening elsewhere, they put it on a bigger platform because they had the bigger platform for it. With, uh, and, uh, with RF Video already being a major platform for ECW shows, the ECW fans just national, naturally, many of them, transitioned to Ring of Honor. And uh, it wasn't their hardcore wrestling, but it sure was their pure wrestling, and they liked that too. Uh, and when you see guys like Eddie Guerrero, and you see guys like Mick Foley and all that showing up in 2006, Mick Foley, or 2005, one of those years, um, to give the thumbs up and uh, approval of this company. Um, you know, and guys like that coming in and saying, you know, this is the kind of pure traditional wrestling I grew up on. It was almost a revival of the territories in a sense, except with modern wrestling uh, in terms of style and booking and characters. And so I don't really think it could be overstated how important Ring of Honor has been to pro wrestling. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good one. I'm, I'm <laughs> for you right now, Josiah. Why? Well, thank yeah, you. Really. Thank you. I'll, I'll do a bow. <laughs> um, for me, I I I, I kind of look at it in three different words. The first word that I'm gonna use is risk. And what I mean by that is going back to the beginning with the very first show. We talked about it earlier. They could have had Super Crazy and Eddie Guerrero main event that first show. But Gabe Sapolsky took a risk on three guys. 
Mm-hmm. Low-key Christopher Daniels and American Dragon to headline that first show. If he does not do that, I don't know if Ring of Honor becomes what it is today. Because sometimes your early decisions can play a big factor into its future. And that one is one of their biggest and best decisions they've ever done. Was having the three-way be the main event. And in a way, and I said this last year when... I did the uh, 20th anniversary of the end of WCW. When WCW ended, the positive that came out of that was we had the start of the golden era of independent wrestling. And Ring of Honor was and is at the front of that. When you discuss that time frame, Ring of Honor is at the forefront. The second word that I want to use is success. And what I mean by that is what the wrestlers have done after they've been in Ring of Honor. Or even still in Ring of Honor. And I I want to bring up WWE and AEW. In WWE, right now, they have two champions that wrestled at one point in time for Ring of Honor. Sami Zayn, when he was El Generico, is the current Intercontinental Champion. And Damian Priest, when he was Punisher Martinez, was or is the current United States Champion. If you look at AEW, their world champion right now is Adam Page. The last two champions, and I'm, and I'm counting Page in this, the last two AEW world champions wrestled in Ring of Honor. Look at the tag team titles. The first two, or three of the first four champions all wrestled in Ring of Honor. If you look at the TNT title, you had you have two guys that wrestled in Ring of Honor. Cody and Brody Lee, bless his soul. And the success of those guys at some point in time had to be from working in Ring of Honor because, you know, some of those guys like Brody and Cody Rhodes, they were let go by WWE. They come to Ring of Honor or they go to AEW and they got better. And that, I think, is a big contributor to the success that Ring of Honor has had. And the final thing, and Josiah hit it on the head, is how big of an influence Ring of Honor has had. Because, yeah, we've had other promotions. We've mentioned WCW. We've mentioned ECW. We've met, you know, there's the AWA. There's World Class. We could go on listing so many other promotions that, were around, that aren't around, that did have, you know, an influence. And and they all did. Every one of them does in their own way. But I've never lived through a time where a promotion like Ring of Honor has had such an influence on an entire business. Like, 
I, I've never seen it with football. I've never seen it with baseball. I've never seen it with hockey where it's like an individual or a team or an organization. Maybe the Bulls of the of the 1990s when I was a kid, but that's really about it. With Ring of Honor, they probably have produced more stars in the last 20 years than any other wrestling organization has. And I I really hope come April the 1st that they continue that because that is the lasting impact, the lasting legacy of Ring of Honor is having this influence and it's been all good. There's not one bad influence that Ring of Honor has had on the business. And like I said, even when it's gone, because things do come to an end. They do. We don't want them to, but they do. I hope when we're all old people and we're sitting in our rocking chairs (laughs) and, and people ask us, what Ring of Honor was or what Ring of Honor was like. The words I want to say are the single most influential promotion ever. And I hope that comes true someday. That's a good way to end it, I think. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I know you have your Fantasy Wrestling League. Why don't you plug that real quick? Right. Well, I, well, we have Hybrid Championship Wrestling, or HCW. Uh, it's a fantasy wrestling league where the where I create, where I have a bunch of original wrestlers go up against the best of the legends of wrestling, as well as the one independent wrestlers. So you have your Ring of Honor, you got your AEW, New Japan, uh, CCW, Etc. It's and Impact Wrestling and etc. etc. And they're they're available on YouTube under the name Video Max Nine, or you just type in HCW and you'll find it. Uh, start uh, this Friday is the is our is the show Friday fights, and as we're gearing as the show is gear the. Group is gearing up for the next show, Emerald Decadence, in March. We also are on Facebook, but I'm kind of off Facebook right now, so. Yeah, he's taking a little bit of a break, which I totally understand. I feel that. I feel that. All right. But check us out on YouTube. Oh, there we go. All right, uh, Josiah, anything you want to plug? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WR underscore Central, although uh, I am only checking my Twitter like once or twice a day now. Uh, I have deleted the app from my phone for my sanity. <laughs> uh, but I, I still I still interact there. So if you send me a message or a tweet there, I will absolutely see it. Um, you can also follow my writing at wrestlingobserver.com slash f4wonline.com where I cover NWA power every week uh, and the upcoming Crockett Cup, which is going to be fun. Mm, yes. uh, and I also cover uh, – tend to cover AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and whatnot for Daily DDT when I get a chance. 
Um, that has reduced dramatically since I moved to Ottawa and now have a job that takes up most of my time, but it's a job I love. So, uh, the, so, uh, my, my coverage there has uh, decreased a little bit, but you can still read my stuff there. And there's lots of other wonderful authors there. So give them your clicks, give them the, get them paid. If you click on their articles, please do so. Because uh, they are wonderful people at Daily DDT as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that's where you can follow me. Uh, at WR Central, underscore, WR underscore Central on uh, Twitter. I will someday in the undefined future, once I get a handle of my new job, I will like to launch a podcast, but I'm not there yet. Uh, and uh, I will probably hit stream it on Twitch as well. So WR underscore Central on Twitch if you want to follow me there. And uh, that is it. Right. Um, let's see. You guys can uh, email the show if you guys have any questions or comments. Wrestlingman at thewrestlingshow.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at WrestlingShow11. Follow us on Instagram, That Wrestling Show. Uh, join the Facebook group, That Wrestling Show fan group, where we have over 500 members from literally all over the world. Uh, we talk about pretty much anything and everything that is pro wrestling. And some crazy uh, guy who just moved to Ottawa is in that group. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, uh, this week, uh, I this week on Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. It is the season fourteen finale, where I will review Creme Frichet. Uh Also, check out this weekend. Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts, where Jim Boy Star has a major announcement about our season three that'll be coming up real, real soon. And um, I do a little side project, the DK and Bill Wrestling Podcast, myself and my good friend DK from Canada. Uh, we talk about old school wrestling, but we talk about uh, current wrestling as well every once in a while. This week, we did an unbelievable show where we reviewed Over the Edge in Your House from 1998. My first time watching that show in years, so you guys are going to want to check that out to hear what we thought of the show. That is the DK and Bill Wrestling Podcast. Alright, uh, next time around, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yes i do actually i i do apologize uh jim boy star is going to join me next week and we're going to preview aew revolution Ooh. we're going to make our predictions look at everything that's led up to that show and so much more so on that note third guest for that good... one let me know <laughs> All right, i'll let you know uh, everybody have a good safe weekend and to everyone who has ever worked at Ring of Honor, thank you. It has been our honor to be your fans. Yes, thanks, guys. guys. Adios. 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 Peace out. Peace out.